All right, thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Are you happy to be here? Are you happy you got an extra hour of sleep? Oh, I was so thankful for that. My wife and I have a different view of uh, the extra hour of sleep. So as we get ready for bed, she's like, oh, it's only 10 o'clock. And I'm like, no, dear, you're not supposed to think about it like that. So this morning, I woke her up. And I said, oh, just think about it. It's only 8.30. <laughs> it was 7.30. So much fun. So much fun. I don't think she appreciated it as much as I did. <laughs> did you take your Bibles this morning and go to Ezra? Ezra chapter 4. Ezra chapter 4. I'm thankful for um, my friend Jason Borman who preached last week. He did, I, to me, he did a great job. And uh, he started talking about the temple, and I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. So uh, it's funny how things tied together, for me anyway. And uh, so we're going to continue on in Ezra. Uh, we finished Ezra chapter 3 a couple of weeks ago, so we're going to continue on here in Ezra chapter 4. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this day and for this opportunity that we have to be here. And Father, I want to thank you for um, everything that you've given us. What a wonderful country we have and uh, what a wonderful uh, place of worship that we have to come. And Father, thank you for uh, everything that you've given us and uh, even the trials and tribulations that you've brought upon us. Father, I want to thank you for them and for what they have made us. And I pray that you continue to work in our lives. Father, help us to never coast through our lives. And uh, I'm thankful for uh, difficult times that make us stronger and uh, help us to depend upon you just a little bit more. And I pray that you would continue to um, allow your will and your way to be done in our lives. And Father, I pray that we would be uh, submissive to your will. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in every life that is trying to rebuild upon God and his word, there are some amazing times. There are some times where life just seems to be going so well. Uh, they're, they're just fun, fun times. Um, progress is being made, and things just seem to be, uh, be a super exciting, and things are just going so well. These are memorable times when things are going well. Times that you look back and go, remember when? They were, they were awesome. Everyone gets excited about what's being done. There is joy, there is passion, uh, the people are moving forward, the work of God is moving forward, great things are being done. Things are progressing in a way that you intended for them to progress. You have a set plan, you have goals, and things begin to progress very well. You are assured that you are doing the right thing because things are going so well. You're like, yep, I'm on the right path. God is really blessing. Things are going well, and I'm just going to continue to please God in everything that I do. You feel like you're fulfilling God's purpose for your life. These are powerful times, times that you can experience the power of God sometimes like you never have before. Times where you're continually thanking God for his provision, where you're continually thanking God for his strength. And again, things are just going so, so well. We all love it when things go well, don't we? Does anybody like it when things go bad? <laughs> None of us likes Murphy's Law. In fact, whoever came up with that, Mr. Murphy, we're going to have a hard time. I hate Murphy's Law. Things are going to go wrong. It's going to happen. We love when things go well, but what happens 
when we are met with some resistance? What happens when we are met with some resistance? That's the title of this morning's message, message Resistance in Rebuilding. Resistance in rebuilding. If you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Rebuilding will always be met with resistance. Listen, rebuilding will always, always, always be met with resistance. I don't care what you're trying to do. I don't care if you're trying to build a house. I don't care if you're trying to fix your car. That's this one thing that I hate the most. Fixing my car, you think, oh, this should be just like a 30-minute job, and three and a half hours later, you're like, what am I doing? I've got every tool that I own out, and none of them work. I hate that, because it's always met with resistance. Anytime you try to do something right and good in your life, it will be met with resistance. Every single time, just count on it, just put it to, take it to the bank, it's going to happen. Doing the wrong thing is easy. Doing the wrong thing is so easy, but doing the right thing is often hard. So as you begin to rebuild your life upon God and his word, listen, expect resistance. Just expect it. It's going to come. And this is what holds a lot of people back from moving forward for God is that there's a resistance and they don't want to go through that. They just want to take the easy way. Expect to be met with people who will try to trip you up. Expect to be met with people who will try to completely destroy what you are trying to accomplish. Have you ever been a child? <laughs> and while you were a child, you enjoyed building something. Maybe you built it out of blocks. Maybe you used Legos. Maybe you built a sandcastle or something. You were just building something. Whatever it was, you were trying to build something magnificent. In your mind, it was going to be beautiful. It was going to be amazing. You get it almost complete. It's almost to completion. You're just putting the finishing touches on it. And some jerk comes by and knocks the whole thing down. Usually, I was that jerk. Just destroy things. And my brother was that jerk, and we would do this to each other constantly and just completely decimating all your work. And that person got joy out of wrecking your work. Listen, that happens as children, but I want you to understand this. That happens as adults and even spiritually. There are all kinds of things that Satan will do to try to crash your life, to try to destroy it, to try to keep you down. He is as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. He does not want you to succeed. And so he will send things into your life that you never expected. He will send people into your life that you never expected. You see, when you're a child and this happens to you, this would upset most of us. Man, I worked so hard on that. I, I began uh, with such a great vision, but here's the interesting thing. There would be very few of us that would try to start over. I remember doing these things and somebody would wreck it. You know what I did? Ah, I'm done. I'll go do something else. No, I'm done. I'm not doing that. Listen, that's very common in our lives. Somebody comes in and tries to disrupt what we're doing or wreck what we're doing and we just wash it away and say, no more, I'm done, I've worked too hard, I've tried too hard, and now it's just lying in ruin again. 
Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. When resistance comes, we often stop rebuilding. When resistance comes, we often stop rebuilding. Let's get into Ezra chapter 4 here. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Aser, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Watch this, verse 4. Then the people of the land, the adversaries, weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to, watch this now, to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even unto the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, I tried to figure out the years that this would span, how long they were there I really don't know, but I know it's over 20. I know it's over 20. It's over 20 years that these people tried to continually frustrate their purpose, that they hired counselors, that they began to be adversaries to them. I want you to remember this. Just one chapter before, just a few verses before They were praising God. They were thanking God. They were shouting for joy, and the older people were weeping because the foundation had been laid. Things were going well. The altar had been built. The foundation of the temple had been built. They were rejoicing at what God had done and allowed them to do. But throughout this entire process, hear me, throughout this entire process, the whole time, look at the end of verse 5 again, All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now remember, Cyrus is the one who sent them. So if you will, from the moment that they got there, they were being resisted. Every time you try to do something, you try to rebuild, resistance is going to come. Let me ask this question. Where does resistance come from? Where does resistance come from? Well, let's just notice a few things. Like, we could spend a whole sermon on this. Let's just notice a few things here. Number one, I want you to see friends who want to help. Friends who want to help. Notice with me here in verse 2. Then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said, Let us build with you, for we seek. Look at this next word. Very important. We seek your God. We seek your God. You see, anywhere in the Bible that someone comes in from the outside, it's very rarely that they seek your God. It's your God is our God. We seek him as you seek him. We want him to be our God. That was not their intention, as you can obviously see. So these were friends who wanted to help. Listen, there will be people in your life, there will be friends that come alongside and they want to, quote, help you, 
But you have to listen to what they're saying. Many times we'll get into the rebuilding process and listen, we want people to help us. As we've already discussed, chapter one, chapter two, there are all kinds of people, all kinds of people who gave and who went to get this building started. Listen, you can't do it by yourself, but there will be people that will want to help you. Listen, there will be people that will try to tell you to do things differently than what the word of God tells you to do. You better mark them. You better think about that. You better put the brakes on and these Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the chiefs of the fathers says, listen, you have nothing to do with us. You've, you've never wanted to do this before. So no, we are going to build our house to our God. Then there'll be number two, people who claim to want to serve God. They're coming and they're saying, listen, we, want, we, we, want, we seek your God. And look, it says in verse two, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esar Hadon and king of Asher, which brought us up hither. Listen, if they were sacrificing to this God, do you think there would be evidence of that? Listen, there are people that make bold claims all over the world, but listen, there's proof in the pudding. I, I listen to people, and people call me and say, there's, you know, we need this, and we need that, or we want to help you, and we want to partner with your ministry, and all kinds of different things that we get. Listen, we have to be very careful, because there are people out there that say, I want to serve God, but there's no proof in the pudding. Listen, when you're rebuilding, you need somebody that's going to encourage you, not somebody you have to drag along. Not somebody that's going to tear down what you are building. And then there are going to be, number three, people who are just simply going in a different direction. It's pretty obvious when Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel say, listen, no, we don't need your help. Look what immediately happens. They immediately turn on them. Listen, if they immediately turn on you, that's not somebody you want to be helping you. They're going in a different direction than you. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people and hired, verse five, hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. Listen, we're heading in this direction and you are heading in that direction. As a teenager, I remember pastors always saying, you need to get rid of your bad friends. You need to get rid of your bad friends. You need to get rid of your bad friends. And I just, I could never just walk up to somebody and say, you're a bad friend, I can't, I can't hang around you anymore. I just couldn't do it. I just felt terrible. I just didn't feel like that was the right thing to do. But yet, pastor after pastor after pastor saying, you need to get rid of your bad friends. And I knew some of them were not good influences in my life. But there came a moment where I said, listen, no more am I going to uh, necessarily say that I'm going to not be their friend. But it came pretty apparent when I made a decision to go in a direction, they were going in a different direction. And when you're going in a different direction, you don't become as close as you once were. And so our directions were different. We went, I went this way, they went that way, and guess what? Never once have I ever said, I can't be your friend anymore. Never once. But there are friends today that I do not have anymore because we went a different direction. And so you need to be very careful with friends who are going in a different direction than you. 
Because if, they, if you are friends with them and you walk with them, listen, that means you're not going in the right direction. You need to be walking in the direction of God. And these people had a purpose to build the house of God in Jerusalem. And there was to be nothing that would take away from that. Yet these people were going in a different direction. Again, I could spend a whole lot of time here, and I really want to, but let's suffice it to say that resistance and opposition can come from anyone or anything at any time. It's going to happen. Let's ask this question. What did the resistance consist of? And what did it result in? Look at Ezra chapter 4. Obviously, they hired counselors in verse 5. They weakened their hands. They frustrated their purpose. But let's, let's get into the meat and bones as to exactly what they did. Look at verse 6. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they hear that Persia has a new king. His name is Ahasuerus. And they write a letter unto him. They wrote, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. So they start accusing them that they are doing wrong. I love verse 6, because verse 7 happens next. Look at verse 7, and in the days of Artaxerxes. Now I want you just to stop there. So here's the interesting thing about verse 6, that the Bible doesn't really tell us. Ahasuerus didn't do anything about the accusation. But we're going to see that Artaxerxes did do something about the accusation. So there's an accusation made. Hey, these people are being poor citizens of your country. Ahasuerus does nothing, but look at verse 7. In the days of Artaxerxes wrote Bishlam, Mithridath, Tabil, and the rest of their companions unto Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And the writing of the letter was written in the Syrian tongue and interpreted in the Syrian tongue. Raham, the chancellor of Shimshai, the, and Shimshai the scribe, wrote a letter against Jerusalem to Artaxerxes, the king, in this sort. Then wrote Rehum, the chancellor, and Shimshai, the scribe, and the rest of their companions, the Dinaites, and the Ephrasites, and the Terapolites, and the Apharsites, and the Archivites, and the Babylonians, and the Susankites, and the Dehavites, and the Elamites. Whew. It's in the Bible. We've got to read it. And the rest of the nations whom the great and noble Eshnapper brought over and set in the cities of Samaria and the rest that are on this side of the river at such a time. Look at verse 11. And the copy of the letter that they sent unto them, even unto Artaxerxes the king. Thy servants, the men on this side of the river, and at such a time be it known unto the king that the Jews which came up from thee to us are come unto Jerusalem, building the, watch, rebellious and the bad city. And have set up the walls thereof and joined the foundations. That's exactly kind of what they were supposed to do, right? Be it known now unto the king that if this city be builded and the walls set up again, then will they not pay toll, tribute, and custom, and so thou shalt and damage the revenue of the kings. <laughs> Hits them right where it hurts, doesn't it? Man, if you're going to hurt somebody, you might as well hit him in the pocketbook. And here's exactly what they're doing. Listen, you're, if they build this city, they're not going to pay tolls. They're not going to pay taxes. And your, your revenue is going to go down, King Artaxerxes. Now, verse 14, because we have maintenance from the king's palace, and it was not meet for us to see the king's dishonor, 
playing on honor now. Therefore, we have sent and certified the king. That search be made in the book of the records of thy father, so shalt thou find in the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city and hurtful unto kings and provinces and that they have moved sedition with the same of old time for which was caused this city destroyed. Which, by the way, is true. They had rebelled against kings before. Look at the book of Judges. They had killed kings. They have warred against kings that have overtaken them. So this is not necessarily a false thing. Verse 16, we certify that king that if this city be built again and the walls thereof set up by this means, thou shalt have no portion on this side, the river. You're going to lose all your land over here too. Man, they're really giving Artaxerxes the gears. Hey, you better pay attention to this. Now understand some of what is said is true, but the attitude behind what was said is not true. You see, these people had no intention of not paying tribute. These people had no intention of, of completely walking away from King Ahasuerus and King Artaxerxes. They had no intention of those things, yet here they are being accused. Adversaries make up lies. And so... King Artaxerxes does his research and finds out that, yes, they are a group of people that have disobeyed kings and overtaken kings, and they have a history of going after and going against these other kings. Look at verse 21. This is Artaxerxes' letter back. You can see from verse 17 down, but for sake of time, the Bible says in verse 21, Give ye now commandment to cause these men to cease and that this city be not builded until another commandment shall be given from me. Take heed now that ye fail not to do this. Why should damage grow to the hurt of kings? Artaxerxes immediately uses his power immediately says, no way, this is not going to happen. And he says, you tell them to cease. Cease and desist. We are not building this city anymore. You don't do anything until you hear from me again. Well, verse 23 and verse 24 are some of the saddest verses in the book of Ezra. Now, when the copy of the king Artaxerxes' letter was read, before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem under the Jews and made them to cease watch by force and power. Verse 24, then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Again, I don't know for sure how many years. Again, I know it's more than 20 years that this house, the altar being laid, the foundations being set, that they cease to build. Suffice it to say this, the obstacles began to build up. The obstacles began to build up. First, they had to deal with these people being annoying. 
Man, these people just won't leave us alone. They keep frustrating our purpose. They're hiring people to come and continually uh, weaken our hands and they're breaking things down where we have built them up and they're just doing all kinds of different things or annoying. And then they write a letter and no doubt these other people were, the, the adversaries were saying, hey, guys, we're writing a letter. You better stop. We're gonna tell the king what you're doing. And so they're being threatened with a letter, the threat of being shut down then. Then they got word that the king shut them down. And now, on top of that, their adversaries were enforcing it with power. The obstacles began to overwhelm them. Their governing authority had stopped them from rebuilding. Literally. Maybe, you ask, maybe they ask themselves the question, how could they disobey the government? Now, I could spend a lot of time here. But suffice it to say this, how could the Jews stop building? How in the world could they just stop building? How in the world could they let this happen? I want to submit to you this morning this that they forgot a very important fact about the rebuilding process. It was not the king, King Cyrus, that told them to go rebuild. Hear me. It was not the king that told them to rebuild. It was not the king's rebuilding program. Write this down. They forgot that God was the reason for rebuilding. They forgot that God was the reason for rebuilding. Understand, listen, God stirred the heart of King Cyrus. It was God who stirred his heart. Then God stirred the heart of other people and rose them up. Listen, it was just a vehicle to get the ball rolling. And here now, King Artaxerxes uh, tries to stop the ball. And they listen. Listen, we've, we've had some things of recent past where the government has said some things. And I'm not, trying to de- I'm not trying to defy the government here this morning. But I want you to understand this. When the government says no to preaching, and when the government says no to church, I want you to understand We need to remember that God is the reason. God is the one. God is the one that we serve. And so here they are. They're sitting here, and now they literally sit here for over 20 years watching everything just decay, fall apart. Their work completely decimated. They cannot work They've forgotten that God was the reason for rebuilding. They've forgotten why they were rebuilding. Hear me. Listen, in the midst of our world, in the midst of what we're going through today, but listen, in every single day of our lives, even pre-COVID, hear me, we forget why we are on this earth. It is not for us. It is not to be, uh, make ourselves more convenient and more comfortable. We are here for the purpose of God and his glory. We're not here for us. We're not here to roll over and play dead when adversaries come in. 
We're here to keep moving forward. Every step of every way. Listen, how does this happen? How does it happen in our personal lives where we just roll over and play dead? How does this happen in our lives? Well, number one, I want you to see this. They were drained. They were drained. You ever just get tired? You see, these people had been putting up with adversaries for years. For years and years and years, they had frustrated their purpose. They were relentless. These people did not want to see God renewed in this place. They were tired. Can you blame them for being tired? Anybody else ever get tired, or am I the only one? I get tired. Boy, when I get tired, I'm not, I'm not a fun person to be around. I get cranky. I get snappy. But here's the thing I want you to see is often when we get tired or drained, we give in. We give in. We give up. Think about this. When you, if you say, oh, I'm on a diet, I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat junk food. Listen, when you're tired and you're sick of eating celery and rice cakes, when you're tired is the first moment you're going to go get a Twinkie. I love Twinkies. I'm hungry right now. When we are drained, we justify our actions. Man, I've been working hard all week. I deserve a Twinkie. It's just all in my name. We see things like, I deserve a break. We say things like, I deserve to give in to that temptation. I, I've, I haven't looked at that thing for so long. I deserve to give in to that temptation. I just don't feel like fighting anymore. Natural, isn't it? We've all been there. As you rebuild your life on God and his word, there are going to be times where you are drained. You are so down and out that you just don't feel like fighting anymore. You just don't want to. Listen, I understand that. I've been there. I've done that. I've bought that shirt. The problem is I want to burn that shirt because it never does me any good. But I do it all the time. But I want you to go to 1 Samuel with me. Keep your finger here in Ezra. Go to 1 Samuel with me. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Look at verse 3. Just to give you a little background, David and his men had just spent a great deal of time fighting against the Philistines. They travel three days back to their homes in Ziklag and find it burnt to the ground and everyone, wives and children, are all gone. Look what the Bible says in verse 3. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 3, the Bible says, So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Look at verse 4. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. Here's, watch this. Until they had no more power to weep. Drained. And David's two wives were taken captives. Hinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him. Wow. He's so down and out that his own men, his own people were getting ready to kill him. 
Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Watch this now. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David was drained emotionally, physically, just been fighting. And guess what David had to do? He had to turn to someone that would lift him up and give him strength. He could not turn to his men, they were grieving. He could not turn to his enemies, they had destroyed him. He had no one to turn to. And that's the moment when all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we look and just say, all right, that's it. But not David. Not the man after God's own heart. He turns to God the Lord his God. And in Psalm 19 and verse 14, the Bible says this, David says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, watch my strength and my redeemer. David did not need strength outside of anyone else. He needed strength from his God. Listen, so many times when we are drained, we give up and we allow ourselves to throw in the towel. But it's in those moments when we must go to the one who is our strength. We must go to the one who was literally drained of everything. He was beaten. He had the sin of the entire world placed upon him. His blood spilled on the ground, and yet he still fulfilled the purpose of his father. If you will, he still laid a foundation for us to rebuild. Jesus Christ was literally drained physically, emotionally, spiritually. He sweat great drops of blood. He was beaten so much that he could not tell he was a man. He bare the weight of every sin of every person to ever live on the earth, yet he continued, yet he moved forward. And then he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let me encourage you this morning. Do not let tiredness do not let your drained body, your drained emotions, your drained spiritual life resist you from rebuilding. Let me encourage you very practically. When you're struggling and you think, ah, I've worked hard all week, I've, I've done all I can, don't go to your temptation. Don't go to that Twinkie. Don't do it. Sit down. Take the word of God. I challenge you to do this. Take the word of God out and find a psalm and just read. Get down on your knees and just say, oh God, I can't do this without you. I can't rebuild. I'm, a, I'm going through a frustrating time. I'm going through a hard time, a, a time of resistance, and I just need your strength. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's gotta be God. Listen, you're gonna be drained. You're gonna give everything physically. You're gonna give everything spiritually. You're gonna give everything emotionally. And if you don't have fuel coming in, you're not gonna continue to rebuild. They were drained. And number two, they were distracted. When you're drained, 
as I said already, you can easily get distracted. Happens pretty easily. You can start to focus on all the things that are going wrong. You can look at your circumstances and your choices and they almost begin to depress you to again the point where you're just like, what's the point? I can't even make a good decision anymore. All you can see is the bad. All you can see is the people resisting you. All you can see is Satan winning. Again, let me encourage you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Why? Lest you be wearied. And faint in your minds. Listen, it's easy to get distracted and start looking at all the bad and the frustrations and the hard times and why your spouse isn't doing what they're supposed to do and why your children aren't obeying and why your workplace is this and why this, that, and the other thing is going wrong. And God, Satan is resisting you in every way. Let me challenge you. Look unto Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes looking forward. Keep moving in the right direction. Keep moving forward. I believe distractions are the number one cause of ceasing to rebuild in our world today. People are so distracted with everything and anything. Research has shown that we have the attention span of a goldfish. About seven seconds. I have to get loud and clap every once in a while just to keep your attention here. But listen, we're so distracted. We're distracted by new technology. We're distracted by things that go wrong. We're distracted by this, that, and the other thing. Look unto Jesus. Because if we don't, we will get, number three, defeated. When the news came from the letter from Artaxerxes, this is the way I picture it. I picture you taking a balloon that's fully inflated, that's excited It's getting ready to rebuild. I picture you just opening that thing up and letting it go. Air completely gone. That's what I picture here. I mean, things were going so well, and then just all the air is let out. Man, I, I have nothing... Nothing to do. Nothing that I could do to keep rebuilding. There's, we can't. The government has shut us down. I really don't know where you are in your life today. But this I know. If you are still alive, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. You may feel defeated, but we are not defeated. We are not defeated. You may feel like you are cast down, but friends, we are not cast out. You may feel like you're persecuted, Paul says, but we are not forsaken. We have a God that loves us. And if you are a child of God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that we are more, more than conquerors through him who loves us. Write this down. Defeat only comes when you give up. 
Defeat only comes when you give up. This is why. Because we have a God who already gave us the victory. And you know what the victory is? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Listen, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know how we're going to go through the next 40, 50, 60 years with our world going the way it's going to go. But this I do know. God is in control. My God can supply and will supply all my need. My God has said, I am more than a conqueror. My God said, I can do all things through him. Listen, it may not look the same way. It may be different, but I want you to understand, though resistance comes, we can always move forward and keep rebuilding. Always. Resistance will always come in rebuilding. Mark it down. But resistance will only make you stronger. If you work out, You don't just do this, flail your arms all over the place. You want something that's going to resist you. You get some weights, you resist. People that run, if they want some resistance, they'll put ankle weights on. Resistance. Resistance makes you stronger. Resistance brings you closer to God. Let me just give you one last verse to encourage you. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's going to happen. I want you to remember this. When resistance comes, always remember who stirred your heart. Always remember who called you. He that began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Remember who stirred your heart to rebuild. It was God and always turn to him when you are drained, when you are distracted and when you feel defeated. Turn to him. Find your strength in the one who called you. Resistance will come. But resistance does not have to defeat. Resistance does not have to keep you down for over 20 years. Maybe you sit here today and maybe you feel like you've been defeated for over 20 years. Or for any amount of time. Let me encourage you. Turn to Jesus. Turn to God. Turn back to him. Listen, it's never too late. If you're still alive, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day and for the opportunity that you've given us. Father, I pray that as we leave this place today, Father, I pray that we would all be encouraged. Distractions are going to come. Problems are going to arise. Things that are way, way out of our control that we will never know what to do. We don't even have the answers for Father, we know that you do. And that though we may feel drained and we're, we have nowhere else to turn and though we may be distracted, though we feel like we're defeated, Father, I pray that you would continue to help us move forward and rebuild our lives on you. 
Father, if there's one here today that does not know you as personal Savior, they do not know Jesus Christ, they do not know his saving knowledge, and I pray that today would be the day they would know you. And Father, I pray all the